Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly Show, final hour of the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Now, before we get into the Spanish Inquisition, because we got a question, a dark one about torture, I think it's only appropriate to hear from the Speaker of the House. Is it a secret that the Republicans have wanted to have, did you not know that George, that Romney had sent around a letter with all the senators signing it that said we have to take the money out of state and local government? This is not, it, what is, may come as, as, as news to someone is that, yeah, when you t- subtract money, money is subtracted. Something is better than nothing. I was in school, I attended the inauguration of John F. Kennedy. Were any of you alive then? In fact, when I spoke to President Zelensky, I said, Billie Jean King sends you her regards and wants to know how she can help in an event. That's, we're doing well as a country. (laughs) All right, The, the guy asked a really dark question. And since it's Friday and we can do whatever we want, I mean, what are we going to do? Beat ourselves over the face about gas prices all day long? We got to have some fun. So the guy asked, would I rather Tower of London, 1597, or Vietnam, 1967? So I thought it would be probably appropriate to take a little walk through the Spanish Inquisition. Now, actually, I'm pulling this one from historycollection.com. Let's go through a couple things they used to do to people. And you need to understand the Spanish Inquisition, people talk about it a lot, and I'm certainly not an expert on it, but people talk about it a lot and they get this picture in their head that it was this one or two years where they were just torturing everyone. No, 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 no. This thing went on for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And it was just randomly, it was just really ugly, okay? It was randomly ugly. But what would they do to people? Well, one of the things they would do to people was called strapado. Now, full disclosure, the North Vietnamese actually did this as well. They would bind someone's hands behind their back, and then you would tie a rope to the wrists, and then you would lift the person up. And it would, yeah, you can imagine what that would do to your shoulders. You remember John McCain? Why John McCain couldn't lift his arms up. He'd lift his arms up to do the politician wave thing, and they wouldn't go up very high. It's because the Vietnamese did that to him and just tore his shoulders to bits. Uh, Not very pleasant at all. Uh, One of the reasons that thing is uniquely horrible to me is I think the constant dull pain and discomfort 
probably intimidates me more than the brutal pain. Not that I want someone chopping my finger off, but I know uh, the communists in China, you can look up uh, like things Mao used to do, look up Mao's various torture methods. So many of them were things like that, where they would just put you in some kind of an uncomfortable position where something has to almost be out of place and then just leave you there. So you're just stuck in this constant state of misery. So that's that one. The next one down is called the rack or the torture rack. Now, you may have seen at least a little bit of this if you've seen the movie Braveheart. The same basic concept is is in play here. They had a rack designed to pull you apart. Your arms and legs getting pulled in opposite directions. Uh, okay, that's clearly not a good time. The rumor is that the torture rack was so bad that they would just have people watch someone else go through it, and then they would confess just so they didn't get put on it. And that brings us to something called the wheel. Now, you've probably heard of the wheel before. And I don't know if you're like me, but initially when I heard of the wheel, I didn't understand why you're strapping someone to a wheel. Because what they would do is they would tie you down to a wheel, spread-eagled, so you're spread open over the wheel, and they would oftentimes kill you like this. However, got to remember there are kids listening, there is a reason they tied you to a wheel. And remember, we're not talking about the tires on your Prius. We're talking about one of the wheels with spokes and things like that, a big old wagon wheel. The spaces in the wheel allowed for them to break your limbs easier because the spaces give you know space behind the sledgehammer or whatever they were using on you. Oh, I don't think there's any question. It's Spanish Inquisition for me. And that just got way, way too dark. I got way too dark, Chris. What, Chris? Chris said, Tower of London, you're more likely to die. You know, speaking of dark, let's just have a conversation about this. Understand that on almost all these things man has done to man throughout history that involve, you know, torture and slow death and stuff like that. You want to die. You get in there, and if it, it look, it, it, you want to die. These guys are praying for it. That's that's the thing. It, it, history gets so dark. Gosh, Chris, you know what we need? We need the girls from Jersey. Oh my God! Hey, how you oh doing? Oh my God, Murphy! How you, you doing? Such a you're having you fun are... with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit. <laughs> no, no, I'm not drunk. As a matter of fact, well, you put your mask on. You can go. Yourself. How's that? Well, yeah. I you know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing wrong with me. I like your Trump. Guess who Trump likes? You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing wrong with me. Guess who Trump likes? Guess who Trump likes? I love these teachers. All right, back to the questions. Dr. Jesse, why is it whenever someone talks about nuclear war, they assume that firing one means firing all, and then the earth turns to glass. Since there are many types, sizes, and intended uses of nuclear weapons, isn't it possible to use just one or two to end a war as we did in Japan? I understand the question, but no. Like What we're talking about right now is obviously Russia and China and things like that. The reason only one or two were used when we fought Japan is there were only one in, one or two in existence on the entire planet. Japan didn't have them, or they would have already been using them on us. We 
We dropped two. You know why we didn't drop three? There wasn't a third. Now, we didn't tell Japan that, but the last one we dropped, it was the last one we had. Now, we were obviously developing more of them, but we were already, before the atom bombs were dropping, we were already dropping more munitions than you can possibly fathom on every city in Japan. When you talk about the bombing of mainland Japan, everybody knows about Hiroshima and Nagasaki because those are the sexy ones, right? I mean... I say sexy. They're the, the flashy ones. <laughs> if you'll pardon the pun, Chris. <laughs> anyway, those are the flashy ones. But we firebombed Tokyo and we killed as many people as the nuclear bombs did in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We were bombing all of Japan's cities to rubble. We would have dropped a nuke on all of them. When people talk about nuclear weapons and the tensions right now with Putin and Ukraine and, and, and everything, the concern is this. Putin sets off a tactical nuclear weapon. Okay. Well, maybe you, the person who wrote the email, and not, you didn't say I could use his name, so I'm not going to do it, but maybe you would then, if you were in the opposition, if you were running America or NATO or something like that, maybe you would respond rationally. You probably would. A person can be rational. But do you think... Do you think the idiots and losers who currently run Western civilization, do you think these people are going to be reasonable? Do you think that? Do you think these people are going to make rational, rational, reasonable decisions? Do you think this human being is going to say, everybody calm down. I am in charge. Charlie, sit down and shut up. Linda, keep it down. I'm in charge here. Everyone quiet down. We're not going to respond in kind. We're going to use our heads and be logical. Do you think that's what this person would do? Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, <laughs> and then to make the possible actually happen. I, I hate to belabor the point. Do you think if Vladimir Putin sets off a nuclear bomb in 10 minutes from now, do you think this human being right here is going to respond in a rational logical way is it a secret that the republicans have wanted to have did you not know that George, that romney had sent around a letter with all the senators signing it that said we have to take the money out of state and local government this is not it what is may come as as, as <laughs> news to someone is that yeah when you subtract money money is subtracted <laughs> something is better than nothing it was in school Again, you get my idea. Now, why does that happen? How does that happen? Why would all the nukes fly? And they would all fly. I'm going to explain why they would all fly in another uplifting segment here on the Jesse Kelly Show. Now, listen, why does it happen? Because we don't have people who can think. They've never, never been taught to think. And more importantly, they've never been taught that thinking is a good thing. When I tell you about Annie's Kit Clubs for your kid, it's not just that Annie's Kit Clubs will get your kid to think. 
Your kid will understand just from you getting it. Hey, I want you to think. Your kid will understand that thinking should be a priority for them. And believe me, going forward, as things get more and more crazy, we have to raise kids who can think for themselves, not lemmings who regurgitate everything. Once a month, your kid will get a kit. They're going to be putting together things like uh, hovercrafts and robots. And Annie's Kit Clubs has a special right now. If you go to annieskitclubs.com slash radio, that's annieskitclubs.com slash radio, you can get your first kit for up to 100% off. Just pay the shipping. annieskitclubs.com slash radio. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, keeping it light on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, talking about nuclear war. (laughs) All right. Look, the guy asked a question. It was a good question. Why does everyone assume that all the nukes will be flying every way? Why wouldn't just one country fire them and everyone say, everyone calm down? Listen, every all the major nuclear powers now, America, Russia, China, it's not just that they have a lot of nuclear weapons. It's that they have a lot of ways to deploy the nuclear weapons. I brought this up yesterday. Let's just stick with America really quickly before we get back to the way people think now. Just, just in America alone, America has what's called the nuclear triad. The nuclear triad. Now, what's that mean? That sounds fancy. I bet smart people know. No, it's really easy. We have three different ways that we know of to deploy nuclear weapons. One, ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. It's exactly what it sounds like. There's a big missile silo in, well, places I don't need to elaborate on within the borders of the United States of America. They are manned by people 24-7. They are always on alert, always on the ready, and with the snap of their fingers, they can launch a big old missile and hit pretty much anything anywhere in the world. Oh, but wait, there's more. We have our air deployment of it. And that's exactly what you think. Just like Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we have these gigantic bombers. They fly at super high altitude, drop a nuke on some poor soul. But there's a third part of the triad. Submarines. We have submarines loaded with nuclear weapons. Enough nuclear weapons to turn everything to glass. And they're always in the water. That's part of their mission. They're always in the water. And they're always close enough to get done what we need to get done. So why wouldn't it be rational? Why wouldn't one guy set one off and then everyone calm down? One, because we have a bunch of morons in charge. Two, because there's so many ways to launch them. Immediately, everyone would just start lobbing them. They just would. I mean, what if... uh, what it, let, let's, let's, look, let's game this out. What if Russia sets off a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine right now? I'm, please don't do that. Four Ukrainians have been through enough. But let's say Russia sets off a tactical nuke in Ukraine. Boom, grid square, gone. 1,000 meters by 1,000 meters, gone. What happens next? What happens next is NATO freaks out because a nuclear weapon goes off. I mean, let, let's keep in mind, do keep in mind the ambassador over there. Chris, do you have that clip of Dome from earlier? The ambassador we currently have at NATO is Kamala Harris. 
This is an actual conversation, an unedited conversation Kamala Harris had today. And if I can ask you, Madam Vice President, President Biden has said that Americans will feel some pain for the sake of defending freedom and liberty, but there does seem to be no end game in sight. How long should Americans expect, how long should we be bracing for um, this really sort of um, historic inflation and some unprecedented gas prices? Sure. In terms of uh, the discussions that the President Johannes and I had, uh, they ranged in subject, including the issue of the Black Sea, and I'll let him explain in more detail as he would like. Uh, but we are, again, fully aware and apprised because we are in constant communication with the President, with his administration here about the concerns that they have about the entire region and, frankly, the vulnerability. All you have to do is look at the map. That person is currently our ambassador to NATO. She would be involved in the decision-making process if Vladimir Putin sets off a tactical nuke. Let's say we didn't respond immediately with nuclear weapons. We would respond immediately with serious military hardware. It would no longer be talks of no-fly zone you would instantly have NATO jets, including Americans, flying into Ukraine, flying at Russia, bombing things, strategic targets. Okay, so now, you have, now you're Vladimir Putin. Now NATO has officially gone Article 5 and declared war on you. You are toast. You can, you can barely handle the Ukrainians as it currently stands. You know you're basically done. You're Vladimir Putin. You're launching a missile. That's why it goes that way. And we're not in an era where people stop and think. We're just not. We're just not. People get caught up in narratives and waves so easily today because of social media and 8,000 news channels and podcasts and everything else. There's so much information out there now that people get caught up in narratives and waves. And they don't have the strength and or intelligence to stop Calm down and be rational when the mob is doing all the thinking. The mob is going to be doing the thinking for World War III. Yeah, rest easy on that one, huh? <laughs> Gosh. Dear punter of muffles. Punter of muffles? I don't know what that means. You recently mentioned that wars are won by guys who were hunting squirrels since they were kids. Do you believe playing football and baseball has made our World War II, or as kids, made our World War II soldiers better at throwing grenades? My friends and I were discussing this over many beers. Do you even use the same muscles? He said, you rock and don't use his name. I'm not going to use his name. All right, now listen. It's funny you brought this up. Remember this about sports in any society, whether it's a huge country or a, a, a tiny tribe. Why does everyone have them? Everyone has sports. Everybody. I mean, the, 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 the Aztecs used to have that weird sport where they had to kick the ball through some hole, but the hole was weird. And, of course, I think the winner and the loser both died, so not a lot of incentive to play, but everyone has sports. Everyone has sports. Uh, why have sports? You ever heard of the Battle of Little Bighorn? Undoubtedly, you have. Sorry, we're about to geek out on just a little bit of history here. You've heard of the Battle of Little Bighorn. Custer. Custer's last stand where the U.S. Army, they went out hunting for a bunch of Sioux or Lakota, whatever way you want to put it, 
They went out hunting for a bunch of Sioux Indians, and they found a bunch of them. Except they found a bunch of them. And they were way, way, way outnumbered. And they proceeded to attack them and then realized they were way uh, way outnumbered. And then they got their butts whipped and just got absolutely slaughtered by these Sioux. And they were all Sioux warriors and outnumbered them anyway. Now, what's one of the reasons that happened? And what does this have to do with sports and throwing grenades? I'm going to tie it all together in just a second. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Remember, you can still email the show anything you want, your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All those go right to Chris. He prints them out for me. I read them. Back to what we were talking about. The guy asked, in case you missed it, about our current military and and the World War II guys. And do I think playing sports help the World War II guys throw hand grenades and things like that. And I'm going to tie this all back to today, so just hang with me a second. The Battle of Little Bighorn. Custer rides in, runs into a bunch of Lakota, finds himself in a hornet's nest, they end up getting their butts kicked. You know one of the reasons we got kicked we got kicked around so bad at the Battle of Little Bighorn? Well, I say we. Depending on who you were rooting for, I guess at the time, I am actually a big Lakota fan, but it doesn't matter. You want to know one of the reasons the U.S. Army lost so badly there? Well, the Lakota, they kept attacking the mounted guys for the American troops. Mounted means on a horse. And they kept yanking them off the horses. Yanking our guys off the horses. Now, if you're on a horse and you yank their guy off his horse, their guy is in very, very, very serious trouble. Okay, what's this have to do with grenades and sports? One of the main games the Lakota Indians would play is, well, I'm not going to describe the entire game, but it involved yanking each other off of horsebacks, yanking each other off of horses. They grab each other by the hair and whatnot. It was a real competitive, real violent game, but a great game. Well, why did that become a sport? Sports in every society, from a tribe to a big nation, sports are always there to help the military prowess of the males in the society. That, well, so historically, that's why it's always been done. Why do you think the Lakota came up with that? Because they were a horseback people from the plains, and they had to be great horsemen. And they were great horsemen, some of the best who ever lived. Tying that back into uh, today's military and World War II guys and whatnot. 
I saw an army. I think it was a general. This came out a little while ago, so don't quote me on that. But definitely an official with the army. He said, we need extra time now for basic things like throwing grenades. And someone asked him why. I don't understand. Why, why would you need extra help throwing grenades? He said, we don't have a lot of people who played sports anymore joining, and they don't know how to throw a grenade. Now, I was a really, really terrible athlete. But I played. I played baseball for like 10 years, basketball for longer than that. I could shoot a basketball, throw and catch a baseball. I can hit. And, and I mean, I'm certainly not, obviously, believe me when I tell you, not good, but throwing a grenade, people can't do it in this day and age with different priorities and more screen time for kids and less of a priority on physical prowess. There are many, many young men out there who don't know how to throw a grenade. That's the reality of it. So to answer your question, yes, it helped the World War II guys a lot. Every single guy who threw on a uniform back then had played baseball. If not organized, you definitely played with your friends in the cornfield or backyard or downtown New York City or whatever the case may be. You played baseball so you can hit and throw. Yes, you want your military packed with guys who played sports. It does matter, actually. It's not a stupid question at all. It matters a lot. And that's for people, especially the older generation. And I don't even know. I'm 40. I don't even know if I can count myself as the older generation, but I feel old. Uh, People in my generation, it is hard for me to relate to the fact there are generations now of young men who don't know how to throw something. Who doesn't know how to throw something? But at the same time, I don't want to look down on them either. If that's never been pushed, if they've never been taught, how do you throw something? Michael, can you throw something? Did you play baseball at any point in time, Michael? Soccer? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you played sports. Never mind. No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Soccer's a great sport. Soccer's a great sport. Dear Shogun of many miniguns, if you had to fight a Carthaginian war elephant in an open field, what would be your strategy? He said, no firearms, pet tiger allowed. Oh, man, we're doing all kinds of history today, and it's sweet. <laughs> all right, in case you don't know what he's talking about, there was Rome. You know what ancient Rome is. I'm not going to insult your intelligence. But for a long time, Rome, they had an equally powerful neighbor called Carthage. You, of course, have probably heard of the great Carthaginian uh, general Hannibal and, and whatnot, and they had three big wars. They're called the Punic Wars, and... At the end of those wars, Carthage didn't exist any longer because Rome didn't believe in half measures. But we're not going into things like that. But Hannibal and the Carthaginians were huge on war elephants. And I've thought, I'll be honest, I've thought about this a lot. Back in the age of swords and spears and shields, what would it have been like to take on a war elephant? I mean, elephants alone, they're so huge and powerful. What if one is mad and charging at you and maybe has armor on? And I mean, it would, it would be terrifying. Look, I can't give you a technique other than the one the Romans used. It's really sick and not very kid-friendly. But nevertheless, this is what the Romans did a lot of the times to take on the elephants. Elephants, yes, they're big and they're strong and they're scary. But they also can be a little bit skittish. And the Romans figured this out. The Romans would take pigs and they would smear them in a flammable liquid. I forget what it was. It might have been pitch, but they would smear them in a flammable liquid liquid, and they would point them towards the war elephants and they would light the pigs on fire. 
and the pigs would take off running. And as you can imagine, they're on fire and in pain. They're squealing at the top of their lungs and flaming on the way towards the elephants. The elephants then freak out, turn around, and they're stomping through their own men because they're freaking out in a panic. That's part of the danger of the elephants. Remember, those old war elephants, lots of the time, they would have a guy sitting on top of the elephant. And it's he wasn't always on top of the elephant just to control the elephant. He was on top of the elephant because there was a spike that they had strapped to the top of the elephant's head in the perfect spot on his head. And his job was to smash down on that spike and kill the elephant if the elephant went crazy and turned around and started stomping their own troops. I mean, look, that elephant thing can go both ways. That bad boy turns around in a panic and starts stomping through your guys. You're in trouble. Handsome Oracle. I need you to tell the suits we have to move your radio show. <laughs> I stay up too late at night waiting for the daily podcast. I was afraid we'd never find someone that could even try to fill Rush Limbaugh's shoes, but it's you. Tell them. Tell them. Ah, they're, they're, thank you. There's only one Rush Limbaugh, man. You're never getting another one. We're just doing the best I can. Jesse, my son is about to turn 16. Since he has his driver's permit, he drives to school every day with me in the passenger seat. Every day we listen to the previous night's show and he loves it as much as I do. Gosh, that is the coolest freaking thing. I never thought I would have to worry about him being drafted into a war, but now I'm starting to seriously think it might happen. How likely do you think it is they reinstitute the draft? You can use my name. Well, his name is Charlie. One, I think that's really cool. It still floors me that an idiot like me has people that get to listen with your son. Some father sharing bonding time with his son on the way to school every day. I'm sorry. I know that's sappy. I think that's the coolest daggone thing in the world. How likely is it that they reinstitute the draft? I'm not sure what to say here because my answer is a little dark. Right now, I've discussed, uh, you've heard me discuss extensively on the show how they are purging the U.S. military. And what are they purging the U.S. military of? They're purging the military of all the guys they need. All the patriots, all the guys who love the country, all the athletes, the Boy Scouts, the, the, the sons of fathers who served and grandfathers who served and great-great-grandfathers who served. And those are the guys they're purging out of the military. And so you're, you already know how frantic I am about that and how mad I am about that. What does that have to do with the draft? I will explain what that has to do with the draft here in just a second. Let's just, let's just be clear about this. I think it is very, very, very important for you to practice with your weapon in the comfort of your home. Because if you can practice in the comfort of your home, you'll practice more often. Yeah, go to the range if you can go to the range. If you can afford ammo and gas, go to the range. Yes, but in your home, I mean... How do you not practice in your home? It's right there. You got no excuse. Go practice. That's why I think people should get a Mantis X. I, I think part of owning a weapon anyway is the responsibility of learning how to shoot it well. Mantis X attaches right to your weapon. You don't shoot any ammo. It's dry firing in your home. You get feedback. You get drills. You will get better. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes of using Mantis X. It's what the pros use, the special forces guys, the Marines. Go to mantisx.com and get one today. That's mantisx.com. You're listening to the Oracle.
You're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating in a review talking about how handsome I am. Back to what we were talking about, about the guy's worried about, he listens with his son, worried about the draft. And what I brought up was this. I've talked a lot about the, the, the soft purge of the military. Not only are the good guys who are in getting out, the Patriots, the 16-year-old who listens to the Jesse Kelly show with his father every day in the car, we need that guy to sign up. Well, that guy's not going to sign up. He doesn't want to go learn how evil he is for being white. He doesn't want to learn about how transgenders rule the world. He doesn't want it, so he's going to go do something else. Okay, so what's that have to do with the draft? Well, eventually, God forbid this happens, but eventually, let's assume another big war is going to kick off. And I think it'd be naive to, to think otherwise, right? I mean, the history of the world is what it is. Big wars kick off. Countries get bigger. Militaries get bigger. The wars get bigger. That's the way it's gone. World War II is bigger than World War I. That's the way it goes. So let's assume another big war is going to kick off. Well, once they toss the cannon fodder, the LGBTQ guys at the enemy, and they all get wiped out, where do you think they're going to go? Oh, of course they're going to reinstitute the draft. Why? They're going to have to because the most patriotic guys in the country aren't going to join. They're not going to sign up anymore. Yeah, it is something I worry about, especially, I mean, look, I got, I got a 13-year-old son. I got an 11-year-old son. I'm very worried about it. I think about it when I look at those boys, man. I think about it. It sucks. It sucks. All right. We're about to do a little rapid fire on the emails here because I still have a bunch of really good ones. First, though, before I get to that, before I get to that, remember, you spend money on your cell phone every month, every single month. You almost undoubtedly have it tied to a credit card so it automatically comes out every month. I know I do. Well, where are you sending that money? Are you sending your money to Verizon or AT&T, T-Mobile? Where are you sending your money? Go look up. Don't take my word for it. Go look up some of the advertising campaigns your company was running when George Floyd died. Switch to Pure Talk. They don't dump on America. Average family saves over $800 a year. We could all use that right now. CEOs of Vietnam veteran. Customer service based in America. They'll never crap on your values. Switching is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Less than 10 minutes. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. And now... Here's a headline. Go, you know the, you know the thing. Emails. We didn't get to. <laughs> Dear all-knowing Oracle, I need your, I need your help, all-knowing Jesse. I am a 13-year-old boy that has been listening to your show for a while now, and I've heard you say that the military is rotted filth. I have grown up loving the military and wanted to join forever, but now hearing what they teach you there and going off what you say, I'm not sure about doing it anymore. What do you say to it? Said I can use his name. Says from your communist-hating fan, and his name is Cooper. 
Listen, Cooper. Serving in the military is an honorable thing. The warnings I'm giving out there right now are to wake people up about what's happening, to warn these politicians who listen to the show where we're going, to make sure people and parents are aware of where we're going. Cooper, you don't need to listen to me when it comes to that. Talk to your parents about what's best for you. I'm giving people, including you, the information I have from the people who are still in. And it's really not good. It is, it is really not good. I, uh, one of my cousins, well, you know what? I'm not going to go into this right now because it probably give way too much. Look, just understand the information I have is not good about what they're teaching, what they're pushing, and the really great patriots, they're getting out. And they're not joining. But understand this, Cooper. If you've grown up admiring the military, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's an honorable thing. There are other ways you can serve your country, though. There are a lot of ways to serve your country, serve your fellow man, serve your community beyond joining the military. There just are. Look, somebody's got to put out fires, brother. Somebody has to be a sheriff, a cop. Look, politics can be service if you go into it for the right reasons. There are a lot of ways to serve your community. All right, The military ain't the only route. Dear Jesse, I recently bought a half a cow for my family. The problem is that the meat is definitely not 80-20 to make your world-famous cheeseburgers. I guess I will have to live with my second-best cheeseburgers in the world, but at least I have the meat. Look, I brought this up earlier in the week, and I know some people thought it was weird until you looked into it. Right now, with beef prices going up, we're all going to have to look for ways to try to save some money. You can buy a cow. No, I don't mean they're going to haul a cow into your backyard. You can buy either a whole cow, but that's a lot of money, or you can split a cow between another family or two or three other families. And what will happen is they'll take that cow and they'll slaughter it for you and they'll give you the meat in the ways you want the meat. Okay, we want 100 pounds of burger and we want this many T-bones and you can fill up a deep freezer now with beef. And if you're concerned about the price of beef, and you maybe should be, It's not a bad way to make sure you've got some beef in the hopper in case things go a little haywire. Look, I'm not telling you to do anything crazy, but you can split a cow. Everywhere I've ever lived, there there were places you could go split a cow. I guarantee wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, from New York City on the great 710 WOR to, to Spokane, San Diego, Omaha, to Miami. We're all over the place. I bet you're not far away from a cow you can split. Look it up online. I, if I had a resource, I would give it to you. I don't have what like a central hub resource. Maybe, maybe in the future I should do some research for the show, Chris. <laughs> Dr. Jesse, I have a few questions about our future. As you've become something of a political prophet... I beseech thee for thy knowledge on the order of things to come. Is the dollar going to collapse? How soon will until Americans start killing each other in food and gas riots afterwards? How many Russian sleeper cells are in the U.S. in preparation for conventional conflict with Russia? Do you think six months of supplies is sufficient in the event of a societal collapse here? Golly, should we go for, should we go for like a year? Don't forget the dog food. What's your favorite flavor, uh, flavor of crayon? Godspeed. All right. Well, we are nearing the end of the show, so I'm going to make this really quickly. 
Is the dollar going to collapse? No, but we are going to have hyperinflation. How soon until Americans start killing each other in food gas riots? Uh, two years? No, it won't happen probably out. It won't happen outside of the urban areas, I wouldn't guess. But you get areas that are already crime ridden and those people start running out of food. You're going to be in very, very, very serious trouble. As far as the Russian sleeper cells, I mean, I don't know. I hope the Russian sleeper cells perform better than the Russian conventional army, which apparently absolutely sucks. (laughs) All right. Keep your chin up. But it's Friday. Favorite flavor of crayon. I'm not answering those insulting questions, Chris. I'm above those inner service rivalries. <laughs> Chin up, okay? Chin up. Enjoy your weekend with your family. I promise the world will still be here on Monday. Maybe. That's all. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children, builds specifically adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.